0: amen good morning church everybody doing well awesome I brought my keys up here with me by accident however it does say Liberty Flames on it I just want you to know I'm no longer a Florida Gator fan I'm a Liberty (laughs) fan Uh, I'm just joking Uh, but anyway good good morning so today as we walk into uh, the season of Advent really grateful for brother David and Miss Lotha uh, leading us in that today grateful for them I want you to know uh, there there may be several here today that aren't familiar with the Advent season. Uh, the Advent season is a season that we designate on the calendar uh, where we just hyper focus on anticipating the arrival or the advent of Jesus of Nazareth. So, so the long awaited Messiah King. We focus on a born Jesus, and Christians from many backgrounds they celebrate this season with great reflection on hope and peace and love and joy and that all culminates on christmas morning with the christ candle and so today as you've seen our focus is on hope Uh, what does it mean to have hope in the message today the title of it is the hope Of a revealed Jesus. We're gonna be in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 10, just continuing our series through Romans. We're gonna take this portion of scripture we're in, chapter 10, starting in verse 5, and we're gonna talk about the hope that we have in a revealed Jesus. You know, Dwayne Klein reminds us that we all need hope. We need hope when we face things like a medical crisis, we need hope. When financial struggles come, we need hope whenever there's this overwhelming uncertainty in front of us in terms of our future. We need hope whenever we've lost our way. We need hope whenever our soul is aching. And it reminds me of a conversation I had this morning with a really good friend of mine who has done really well, but he tragically lost Uh, two of his brothers and even though he's done well dealing with that over the years uh, the last couple of days in particular have been really tough for him Christmas can brighten our spirits in many ways the Christmas season as we lean into it we think about all of the fun things that we enjoy right the lights the fun things that we uh, do with family and friends and the cheesy Hallmark Christmas movies and Uh, the fun things at church that we participate in, it can really brighten us and and we we speak of it that way. But we also know the other side of that is the holidays have this way of of heightening some of the difficult things that we've gone through. Uh, Some of the struggles, some of the frustration, some of the hardships and there are many who get into this season and that hope seems to dampen just a little bit. And so I love that this is the first candle that we light as we reflect on the revealed hope that is found in Jesus because we know that the Advent hope is not a whimsical or ambiguous type of hope. Our hope is certain. Our hope is secure. Our hope is found in confident expectation. We know that God has sent his son into the world to save his people from their sins. And we know one day Jesus will return and he'll make all things new. And as we close the service later, uh, we will spend time just focusing on communion, realizing that God, we long for the day when Christ returns and makes all things new. This is dependable for us, it's as dependable as God is, and it's secured in the person and in the work of jesus so i pray that in our text today in romans that we see the hope that is found in christ alone so if you have found your spot you're willing and able to stand please do so in honor of reading the word of god romans chapter 10 starting in verse 5 if you're there we say amen, amen. if you're excited to be here we say amen. amen if you're loving the cool weather will you say come on somebody hey man i do too man i like the cold weather i'm not used to seasons and it's nice to have seasons for a change so i praise the lord for that here we go romans chapter 10 starting in verse 5 it says for moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law that the person who does the commandment shall live by them quote from leviticus and then in verse 6 but the righteous based on on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. And these are quotes from Deuteronomy. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because, look at this verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, that key key phrase here, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Verse 10. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And then look at verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. May God bless the reading and proclamation of his word today. You may be seated. Let's just walk through these verses together quickly. First of all, let's look... Look, look at them in chunks. So we'll look at verses 5 through 7. And again, we see Paul quoting Leviticus and quoting Deuteronomy. And here's what he's saying, essentially, if I were to just break this down. He's saying, theoretically, it is possible to keep the law. Which means if you could keep the law perfectly, then you could stand before the Lord as one that is clean and one that has earned their way and access to be with him forevermore. Theoretically, theoretically, Possible. But practically, we know scripturally this is impossible. We see in Romans that there's none not righteous. There, there's no one that has it all together. No one is righteous. And so there, there are none that are there. There are none that are able to keep the law perfectly. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That simply means that there is not one person in this room who has it all together. There's not one person in this room who has never sinned. We all have because we are broken by the fall, which happened in Genesis chapter 3. We have gladly joined in with Adam and Eve as they were disobedient and partook of the fruit of the tree that they were not supposed to to partake of so we know that we are marred by sin so though though theoretically possible it's practically impossible charles swindoll says it this way it's like someone trying to leap their way into heaven it's impossible there's no way for you to be able to do that so we can't climb up to heaven paul is saying and bring the savior down it's just not going to happen so what is our hope how do we find life? What do we do? Well, we know that during the Christmas season in particular, we celebrate a born Jesus because God sent Jesus so that all who believe in him would have life. He sent Jesus to save his people from their sins. Did you know today that only God can save you? And that's exactly where your faith must be. Your faith must be in Christ Alone, knowing that God has provided a way. The provision is made in Christ. And if we place our faith in him, we can have life. Our faith cannot and must not be In ourselves, We cannot say, well, hey, since it's theoretically possible, I'm just going to do all the right things and live a good life. And as long as my life is better than the person next to me, then I will somehow earn my way to heaven. Or as long as the good outweighs the bad, I'll somehow climb my way to heaven. Paul says, who will ascend? Who will descend? No one can, man. Our faith is not in our own righteousness. Our faith is in the righteousness of Christ. When you trust in him, And place your faith in him, you have this imputed righteousness. It's what Martin Luther calls it. It's not an infused righteousness that Augustine used to write about. It's imputed righteousness, meaning that you are made fully righteous, none of it based on what you have done, all of it based on the work of Christ in you. Your responsibility is to place your faith and your trust in Christ, not in self. That's why the scriptures are teeming with examples of us needing to die to ourself so that Christ can be seen in our life. If you want to experience the fullness of the spirit of God in your life you have to die to who you are no longer walk in the flesh no longer walk in the old manner of life no you walk in the new creation that you are in Christ because you've been crucified with Christ you no longer live but Christ lives in you so now you're walking in the spirit of God knowing that it's his work in and through you and his righteousness that has been imputed to you in which you can now gladly profess that Jesus is Lord of your life. So we need to understand where our hope lies. Our hope lies in Christ. It's not in self. We must look away from self and towards God's provision in Christ. Verse 8 talks about this word of faith. Now, the question we have to ask is what is this word of faith that Paul is speaking of? Well, he's not speaking of this error that is preached today in what many churches have been labeled as word of faith churches. And this Type of movement. They think that God is some type of uh, formative Santa Claus in their life. They think that God must obey our words and that we are little gods. And they believe that wealth is directly attached to God's blessing. And so God's name is leveraged for personal gain. That's not what Paul means when he says word of faith. Stay away from that kind of teaching. What Paul means is that we must believe in our heart and speak with our mouth. This faith is embedded at the seat of our emotions it's within our heart man when you have faith in christ it is a heartfelt faith and this type of faith cannot help but come out of your mouth you cannot help but speak of what god has done in and through your life and that's exactly where paul is living here is we need to believe in our heart And this faith that is in our heart, at the seat of our emotions, it cannot hide there. It has to come out. And so, yes, in our heart, but also in our mouth, we're confessing what Christ has done, that he is Lord of our lives, that he is worthy of it all, that we want to give him all that we have, not most of what we have, not some of what we have, but God, we want to give you our entire lives because you're worth it. So, who is able to do this? Not me, not in my own strength. So, God, I need your righteousness, and now that I'm walking in that righteousness, I've received by faith the finished work of Christ in my life and it's in this the this, this seat of my emotions in my heart and I can't help but for that to come out of me man I need the world to know what Christ has done in and through me you see When you have experienced Christ, it's so much more than just cultural Christianity where you're a Christian because your family wants you to be. Or you're a Christian because everyone else in the culture just goes to church and so you go to church because you want to be accepted and this is just normal for your family heritage. It's so much deeper than that. Has Christ truly changed your life? Do you know Jesus in your life? Has he changed you? Has your heart been changed? Have you personally received him as Savior in your life? Is he Lord of your life, or are you just simply going through the cultural motions? Church, we need to understand that when we receive by faith who Christ truly is— it's in our heart and in, in the depths of who we are and it comes out in our words because we have to live it it changes who we are around our friends around our family in our community at our church it comes out not just because we know the right things to say but because of Christ in us what about you what type of faith do you have today do you have faith in yourself or do you have faith in Christ verses 9 and 10 Say this: that there are uh, times for us to make this public uh, confession, and it says, "Because of you, confess." with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with the heart you believe and you're justified. That means that when you believe in Christ, man, you are justified. It's just as if you have never sinned and now you're on the road to sanctification and with the mouth you confess that Jesus is Lord. Man, this is how you are saved. It's not simply saying, well, I want to be a Christian because everyone else is a Christian. No, man, like I confess that Christ is Lord. Lord of my life. He is Lord. There's nothing we could ever do to make him any more Lord than he is. The question becomes, is he Lord of my life? Is that your confession? Not only that he is Lord, that I believe that he was born, that he was sent, that he died, that he rose again. It's not just simply a belief in that, but knowing that he's Lord and knowing that he's Lord of my life is Jesus. Lord of your life. You see, there are many times in life we make public declarations. If you were in the military, you swore in an oath. If you're in a courtroom, you do something very similar. At your wedding, you speak of wedding vows. As a Christian, we are to publicly say, man, Christ is Lord. And R.C. Sproul says that one very simple way to confess is to say, Jesus, you're Lord. Yes, I believe, God, you are lord you're not just simply lord i mean we know that you're lord and there's nothing we could do to make you any more lord but jesus you're lord of my life i trust you with every ounce of it i have faith in you i have faith in the work that you've accomplished the work that you've done in my, my heart in my life it's simply uh, this you know we, we have faith every single day as i walk down these stairs i don't necessarily have faith in in, in me but i have faith in these stairs I have faith that when my 229 pounds sits on this stage, that this stage is going to hold me. There's faith there. There's trust there. There's confidence there. The question you have to answer is, do you have faith in Christ? And is he Lord of your life? Have you confessed him as Lord? The implications of this vary from person to person. For example, in our context, especially the way our culture is going, it is certainly true that you could verbally be accosted for simply saying that Jesus is Lord. I mean, the way our culture is going, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, you stand on the truths of God's Word. I'm not talking about this group that says, yes, we are believers in Jesus, but then they completely manipulate the Word of God to say what they wanted to say. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about the ones that stand on the truth of the Word of God and you declare Jesus to be Lord of your life and you reject culture's indoctrination of what is right and what is wrong and you're standing on the truth of God's word. can you be be verbally accosted for saying Jesus is Lord of my life yes we know this to be true you can be shunned and pushed out and all the things but you know the implications vary from person to person for example an international uh, mission board missionary was reflecting on a, a group of gathered believers overseas where Christianity was closed meaning they were not allowed to worship Jesus like we are today If they were doing what we are doing right now, they could be thrown in prison or killed. So they're gathering still because God is saving the nations. God is going to all peoples, right? And even though this is a closed country, man, God has a remnant there. And he's mighty to save there. And so this missionary is recalling a group of believers who are singing this song called We Believe, which is a rendition of the Apostles' Creed. And as they're singing, we believe there's a line in there that says, Jesus is my Lord. And he said he couldn't help but pause and think about that. There's a group here that's shouting to this nation, a nation that rejects Christianity altogether so much so that you can be prosecuted for it. And yet there's this group that's gathering together with tears rolling down their eyes, hands raised, worshiping, saying, Jesus is my Lord. The implications for them are job loss, family rejection, jail, death. But they declaratively shout, Jesus is my Lord. Why? Here's why. And this goes against that prosperity gospel word of faith movement. Because they've said, hey, if the world has nothing for me, Jesus is more than enough he's my everything he is hear this worth it he's worth it you know there are so many things that are vying for our affection and our attention trying to give us hope trying to uh, solicit us away from the truth of who christ is and the world promises all these glittery things but can i tell you today that our allegiance must be to christ alone it must be to christ alone As we consider what hope means, hope is found in a name. Hope is found in a born Jesus. So if you look at verses 9 and 10, the question we have to ask ourselves today is, have we confessed Christ as Lord? Is he Lord of our life? Look at uh, verses 11 and 13. We also see in our text here that this hope in Jesus is for anybody what does it say in verse 11 it says for the scripture says everyone who believes will not be put to shame isn't that good news even though the world will attempt to shame you the world will attempt to shun you uh the world will attempt to put you in a box and halt the movement of christianity altogether jesus has promised to peter remains true today he says upon this rock i will build my church and he's been faithful in that And he will not be put to shame and you will not be put to shame as you follow him. You know, it's funny, the persecuted church is the fastest growing church. So no matter what, man, no matter what the world says about you, no matter what people say about you as you live for Jesus, as you try to be a man of God and honor Jesus in your words, and your friends are like, man, what are you doing? As you try to be a woman in your workplace that says, you know what? I'm not going to go along with the things that are happening over here. I'm going to try to honor Jesus, and people will try to shun you. Whatever that looks like for you, don't you worry about it, because you'll never be put to shame, because Christ is with you as you confess him. It goes on to say in verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know I love uh, again listening to Mr. David and Miss Lotha Bandy read the Advent uh, prayer and, and scripture in their native tongue and Every week we're going to do that in different languages from people in our church. It's really cool because here's the promise that God made to Abraham is that he is a God that's for all nations, and that's represented even in our church today. We've had two other services prior to this one that were packed out, and and there's people from all nations who Jesus Saved as Isaiah says, his arm is not shortened that he cannot save. Christ has saved them, and now we all come together under the umbrella of Christ and we worship together, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It doesn't matter if you are come on, somebody it doesn't matter if you're a physical descendant of Abraham or or not, you can spiritually be a descendant if you'll place your faith in him. And so all peoples coming together, worshiping Christ the lord but here's the other part of this and i think there's a connotation here that we cannot miss if you look at verses 12 and 13 that says neither jew nor nor greek man is for everybody here's what you need to know man regardless of where you come from did you know that christ can save you (laughs) like it doesn't matter if you come from wealth if you come from poverty if you're popular if you're unknown it doesn't matter what you've done in your past you see, I believe this to be true. There are probably many of you here today, you're just ate up with your own life. Even as a Christian, right? The gospel is not only for salvation, the gospel is for us for the rest of our days. Even as a Christian, there are some of you that are sitting in that chair right now, and you're just like, man, some days I feel like an outlier. Some days I feel like God could never use someone like me. Hey, can I just tell you something? You're wrong. Because he's mighty to save. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And here's an encouraging thing for some of us. He used a bunch of misfits in the word just so he received the most glory from it. You know, so every time I stand on stage, I'm like, okay, you certainly picked a knucklehead here just to show this is all of you, right? The point is, you may be carrying a a weight today And the enemy may be in your ear saying, hey, yeah, this counts for a lot of people here. You're not one of them. You need to know you're wrong, man. Not only can God save you and change you, and Christian today who's just kind of walking through that struggle of saying, I don't know if God could ever use someone like me. I I mean, I believe I'm saved, but I, I just don't think God could just stop all that nonsense and know this that John says he came to give you life and life abundantly, and that life is not a pursuit of your own fleshliness, that life is actually dying to yourself and trusting in his work, and you just watch what he can do in and through you. Come on, somebody. Hey, listen. I could give a lot of examples about uh, my own life and how God's just been faithful, but I don't have to look very far to see someone who is very close to me who just represents this so well, man. And this is a a long story, so I'm just gonna condense it, make it really, really, really short. And if you want me to fill in the pieces, let's let's go grab coffee. But um, man, when I was 16 years old, my dad got saved and he was a knucklehead prior to that. And I mean like, had a reputation of one that was just far, far, far from God. Uh, And even though there was a form of cultural Christianity there, you know, like he may show up to church from time to time, that kind of thing. He was one that was living for himself and lots of gaps to fill, but it was just not, it was, it was not anything that was honoring to Jesus. And uh, when I was 16 years old, man, my daddy got saved and he barely graduated high school he was on fire for jesus he's a big man in physical stature like six five at the time he was probably 300 pounds just a big guy big man in physical stature and here he is going to the local church he's now there's a difference right like that that salvation happened in his heart man and it was coming out of his mouth and like god just changed him changed him changed him he confessed christ as lord not only is christ lord he's lord of my life and he didn't care who heard that he wanted the world to hear it well this church he was going to they wanted to plant a church in one of the poorest parts of our our town and they couldn't find anybody man it was not appealing to anyone to come to this poor area and start this bible study Uh, no one wanted to do it they tried to find people tried to find people couldn't find them couldn't find them couldn't find them and they finally looked at my dad and they're like hey would you temporarily do this like we don't think you're the right guy because you meet zero of the credentials (laughs) right but he's on fire man and they're like would you consider doing this and he's like here, here am I, man. He was not looking for it. This was not something he had written. You know, the, my dad worked as a he worked at a local uh, cow farm, and it was a ranch slash farm. So he worked cows most days, and then a lot of other days he would work on the farm or work, you know, on, on fence, whatever. And uh, he didn't he didn't make a lot of money, but he loved what he did. And leading a Bible study was not on the radar, but he said yes because he's like whatever you want me to do god i'm just on fire man i just want to be used to you." and for 20 plus years he was there and god used him to do some incredible things uh one cool story there was a guy that drove by a buddy of his running around buddy who saw my dad's name he didn't know my dad's story He'd gotten saved and all that and this was like before you could just text people and he uh, was riding by, I saw my dad's name on this sign where there's a Bible study, and he calls him. He's like, man, you ain't gonna believe this. I had not talked to you in a long time. I was riding by this church, and this guy leading the Bible study there got the same name as you. <laughs> and he got to tell him, he's like, man, I he got to share his testimony with him and tell him, man, that's me, you know. And the guy was just taken aback by it. And he, he eventually, he was quiet, and he eventually said something. He said, well, I'll tell you one thing. He said, you ought to be able to preach on sin because you participated in most of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> But for some of us, we can relate to that, right? Um, For others, you grew up in church your whole life and did all the right things, but at some point, God awakened your soul that even though you're going through the motions, that you did not have Jesus as Lord in your life. And God changed you, man. And that testimony is just as powerful as any of the other ones. The point is this. Are you at a place today where you can declaratively say, I'm not trusting in my own righteousness? I'm trusting in the power of God and his righteousness that's been imputed to me. I'm walking in the spirit of God and I'm confessing proudly that Christ is Lord and he's Lord of my life. In what area of your life today, brother and sister, are you hanging on to? We need to do a self-examination right now. In what area of your life are you saying, mine, 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 and you're withholding because you're trusting in your own ability to navigate life instead of saying, God, you have all of me. We're going to take communion in just a moment. Can I say this to you about communion? Communion Communion's for the believer. And can I say this to you? This is really clear. It's for the repentant believer, meaning that there are times when we, even as believers, have unconfessed sin in our life. Some areas of our life, some crevices of our life that we've not surrendered to to king jesus the apostle paul gives us a a warning here and he says instead of partaking in communion paul's believer set this aside do that self-examination and ask the lord to forgive you and get your heart right with jesus right now man simple as i can put it Leave here with your heart right with Jesus. Don't t- I've done this many times. Don't take communion, but say, God, I've got some things in my own heart I hadn't dealt with, and I want to give it to you. Communion's for the repentant person, right? Not the perfect person, because they don't exist. For the repentant person. Let me say this before we go any further. If you did not receive a communion packet, and you would like one in the balcony down front, just raise your hand high. We've got ushers ready to hand them to you. Keep your hand up until you get it, and uh, we'll make sure we get it in your hands. While, while those are being passed out, can I say this to you? If you are here and you are not a follower of Christ, raise your hand high, we'll get them to you, we'll get them to you. If you're not a follower of Christ, this is not for you today, and I don't say that unlovingly. Here's what I wanna say to you. I want you to really listen. What you need today is not to take communion. You need what communion represents. The body and the blood of Jesus that was given so that you could have life. This is what you need today. And what you need to do is what Romans says, call on the name of the Lord. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Come into your life, man. Thank him for the body, the blood that was was given so that our sins could be forgiven so that we can have a life in him. That's what you need more than anything. Believer that's here today, that, again, not perfect, but repentant, it's a time for us to celebrate. Just thank God for his grace in our life, his goodness in our life. Thank God for the hope that is found in Christ alone. The hope that is found because he gave his life for us. And all who call upon his name, to be saved we recipients of that. And so the Bible says, until the Lord comes, we are to do this. And we are to do this in remembrance of him. So we long, we long for the day when Christ comes back and he makes all, thing new, all things new. Have you read Revelation lately? Isn't it good? When he makes all things new, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more tears. Come on, like, this is an opportunity for us to say, God, we believe that this hope is available for us today. But we also know that we still live in a marred and broken world. So the hope that we receive today, we walk by faith in you day by day, trusting in you. But God also longing for your return. And as we consider the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, we celebrate and remember what you have done. So if you'll prepare the elements just by taking the clear wrapper off of the first piece there and exposing the, the bread portion. I'm going to read a text out of Corinthians and then we'll partake in communion together. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread When he'd given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup... It's the new covenant in my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Brothers and sisters, is Jesus Lord of your life? I hope so. If not, examine yourself today. And know this, there is hope regardless of what you're going through, regardless of how you view yourself today. There is hope that is found in Christ if you'd only call on Him. I'm gonna pray together and then uh, pray for us together and then we're gonna sing a final song and we'll dismiss. So if you'll stand with me in a spirit of prayer. God, thank you. God, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the truth that is found in your word. God, I thank you that we don't have to lean on what we can accomplish in terms of creating a righteousness that is good enough. For God, we know that it's an impossibility. So God, help us to die to self. Lord, to lay down all of those fleshly pursuits that we are so prone to reach towards, knowing that life and life abundantly is found in looking to you alone. Lord, our allegiance is to you. So God, in a world that can be chaotic, in a world that can be running in the opposite direction of you, may our allegiance be to you may you be Lord of our lives. And may you be pleased, Lord, in the way that we surrender to you day by day. Lord, we need you. Not just today or tomorrow or the next week. Lord, we need you every hour. So Lord, I pray that our hearts will be aligned with yours that we have been reminded clearly today of the hope that's found in Christ alone. And we pray this in the powerful name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen and amen.